Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, Mike powerfully took us through the Easter story. He removed the poignant <coughs> symbols of betrayal and torture from the cross, and we replaced them with a glorious covering of flowers to symbolize the resurrection and the new life that we have in Christ because of what Jesus did on that cross. And I wonder how many people in town have been down at Tesco's and looked across and seen that beautiful cross there looking out and wondered what that was all about. And as Mike took us through, we could imagine that we were there ourselves um, through the resurrection with the women coming to the tomb early in the morning and finding that the body of Jesus was gone. Peter rushing to the tomb and wondering what on earth was going on. And then we came to that account that we've just heard of the meeting on the Emmaus Road. And I love the way that Mike brought out the humour in that passage as Jesus somehow disguised so that these two men didn't recognise him, took them through the scriptures right from the beginning, gently teaching them and opening their minds as well as eventually their eyes, as he broke the bread and gave thanks. And then they finally realised who this man was, their Jesus, alive. And I love the way that the children came tearing round the church with that wonderful announcement, did you know Jesus is alive? And if you were away last Sunday and you missed it, do listen to Mike's sermon on on the um, website because it's just unmissable. So on this first Sunday, after the celebrations of Easter, I want to look just a little more at this well-known account of these two disciples, one of them named Cleopas, as they were walking home to Emmaus, traumatised by the events of Good Friday and trying to make sense of it all. So here they are, two disciples, not part of the Twelve, but certainly followers of Jesus, Was one of them a woman? Cleopas' wife? We don't know. We saw two men there, but somebody else who was preaching on this this Sunday said that uh, he had been looking into research behind this story and wondered whether this could be Cleopas' wife. We don't know. But they would have been in Jerusalem for the Passover. They were part of the events of that shocking weekend. They were probably witnesses to the crucifixion They knew without doubt that Jesus had died and they knew that his broken body had been buried in the tomb and it had been the end of all their hopes and dreams. Verse 21 tells us that they were hoping that it was he who would redeem and set Israel free from the Romans. Yet with his death, all those hopes had been shattered. And even worse, now on the third day, some women had gone to the tomb early that morning and found the body had gone. And angels had told them that Jesus was alive. What on earth was going on? And we can imagine that scene, these two traumatised people talking it over on their way back to Emmaus, puzzling over what had happened, so many questions whirling around their heads. And then a man joins them and walks along with them. What were you discussing together? He asks them. And they tell him, so wrapped up in their own distress that they don't recognise him, that this is the risen Lord Jesus. 
Well, how can you not know what has been happening, they ask. Are you the only one who doesn't know what, what has been happening here in these days? And again, a question from Jesus. What things? And so they tell him about Jesus of Nazareth, what they know about him, that he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and how they hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. But now he'd been handed over, tried and sentenced to death and crucified, and now the body has gone. And then Jesus begins to explain the scriptures, going right back to Moses, going through all the prophets, scriptures that they would have known. And by the time they reached Emmaus, it was getting dark, and the two disciples urged the stranger to stay with them for the night. And naturally, a meal was provided. And as that man broke bread and gave thanks, Luke says their eyes were opened and they recognised him. They recognised him as Jesus. And as they recognised him, he disappeared. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? There was something about the way that he spoke, the way that he explained the scriptures that had a powerful effect on them so that they knew it was from God. So much so, they were so excited that they set out in the dark back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples what had happened. And this account in Luke is a brilliant example, a brilliant model for evangelism. First of all, Jesus meets these two men where they're at. He goes out to them. And then he speaks to them about what they already know. He asks questions that allow them to tell him about themselves, how they are feeling, what they already understand and know. And then he takes them gently through what they already knew but had never quite understood. And he talks to them in their language, simply, in words that they can understand. And he shows them by his actions just who he is. And his words and his actions have a powerful effect. I want to tell you this morning about what is happening further afield and what we pray will be happening here in Wales and here in Abergavenny later this year. Some of you will know about this, but last May, nearly a year ago now, a church in Reading prepared, as they do every year, to go out on a week's outreach in the town. And the pastor, who is a man called Yinka Oyakan, prepared his volunteers to go out for just an hour each day, around lunchtime, and talk to people in the town, just asking them some simple questions and offering to pray with them. But before they went out, they prayed that they would see more of God. That first day, 68 people asked to be prayed with. The following day, the number had doubled. And by the end of the third day, over 200 people had been prayed with. This took them by surprise. This hadn't happened before. And this increase continued throughout the week. And the following week, they took that approach to their family and their friends. And they found, to their amazement, that people were already ready for the gospel. They had questions that they wanted to talk about, needs that they wanted to be prayed for, and there was a hunger for God. The Holy Spirit had gone ahead to prepare the way. 
Similar things have happened in Liverpool and other places in England over the last year. And now, New Wine Cymru is preparing for a similar Wales-wide outreach that is going to start in July and it's going to continue over a period of years. The starting dates for the first centres are from the 6th to the 15th of July this year. Centres are being prepared all over Wales. Abergavenny is going to be one of those centres where it is hoped that churches will come together and go out as teams to talk to people and to pray. I'm really excited about this, but we need, as churches, to be ready. There will be people coming to the Lord for the first time who will need discipling. They'll need mentoring and teaching about our faith. This mission is not about getting bums on seats in churches. It's about people coming to know Jesus as Lord and understanding the gospel message, realising what our wonderful God has done for us in Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. And I think we as a church are quite good at coming alongside people, welcoming them, embracing them, spending time being family with them. It's what we do here at ABC. So for us, this outreach doesn't have to be daunting. It's actually what we do and what we're supposed to be doing and what we can be preparing for. It reminded me of that young man that I told you about in October who saw Emir and Lindsay carrying their crosses on the way to Snowdon and wanted to know, what's this cross thing all about? I wonder if people who saw our cross this week thought to themselves, what's this cross thing all about? And that young man came off the building site where he was working and he had questions that needed answers. And the simple way that Lindsay answered those questions, honestly, openly, without jargon, without theological language, just spoke right into that young man's heart, particularly when Lindsay likened the faith as being like electricity being connected. And the guy got it instantly because he was actually an electrician. There and then he asked for prayer to ask Jesus into his life. And as he prayed, we actually saw the physical change in his face as it lit up with a huge smile And he felt that change and he said, did you see that? I can't stop grinning. Just as those two disciples on the Emmaus Road had felt their hearts burn within them, so that young man had felt the power of the risen Lord Jesus come into his life. People who've been involved in this outreach that's happening all over Britain are reporting that the people that they approach are ready to receive They're hungry for God, and it seems that the Holy Spirit has gone ahead to prepare hearts and minds. Rather than a hard slog, the harvest is coming in. I notice in our new UCB books, which I'm sure Pam has got prepared downstairs for next month. Have you, Pam? Yeah, they're coming. On the front is a flyer, and it says, Bring 435 alive. And what John 4:35 says is lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white with harvest. This week I shall be at a meeting at Valdebrennen 
where prayer intercessors from England, Ireland, Scotland and Wales are meeting together to share what's been happening as a result of prayer for revival in these nations. And it's just so encouraging to hear what is happening in other places. Last Thursday, I was with a group of Christians at Bronismau. Some of you went to Bronismau with Mike uh, to hear Angus Buchan. And we were up at the cross on the farm there, worshipping with Andy Morris, who spoke here when Emir came, and with a praise team of young Koreans, young South Koreans and one North Korean. And these young people have come here to Wales at their own expense to pray for our land of Wales. And what was so moving was when Su Kwang, the leader who is the pastor in Lanethi, I think, Steve, you know Su Kwang, don't you? He gave his testimony and he spoke about how their love for Wales was so great because of Robert Germain Thomas from Clanover who went over there to take the gospel. And they said, Wales has given us so much. As well as giving us the gospel, you've given us churches and schools and hospitals. But how can we pay you back? You've got your own churches. You've got your own schools. You've got your own hospitals. But what we can give you is our young people and our passion for prayer and revival. And I thought, wow. And these young people are giving of themselves for Wales. I was moved to tears when he was speaking. And of course, Stella is out in South Korea now, teaching and preaching and lecturing at this moment. What has been most difficult in this new move of God is that the churches haven't been prepared for the difficult task of preparing people who come in who have no knowledge of God. They need discipling. They need nurturing. They need answers to their questions. And that's where we need to be preparing ourselves so that if people have questions for us about our faith, are we ready Not necessarily with clever theological answers. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear honesty. Are we ready with our understanding of the scriptures so that we can share with people who have no idea of what the Bible is about? I've got a young friend who became a Christian last year. She has very little knowledge of the Bible. I was talking about the Emmaus Road this week and I said, have you heard this story? No, never heard it. It's all new to her. And this Easter will have been her first Easter as a believer. And that's so special. And it reminded me of that beautiful Christian song that says, May I never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. And the words say, Though my eyes linger on this scene, may passing time and years not steal the power with which it impacts me, the freshness of the mystery. May I never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. May I see it like the first time, standing like a sinner lost, undone by mercy and left speechless, watching wide-eyed at the cost. May I never lose the wonder, the wonder of the cross. And for some of us who have been Christians for years and years and years, we know the Easter story. We've experienced so many Easter's, so many Pentecost, so many Christmases, and sometimes we get a bit blasé because we know it. But do we know it? 
and we need to go back to the beginning and see it like someone sees it for the first time because these are the people that are going to be coming in and wanting to know. With this account of the encounter of the Emmaus Road, we've got a challenge because this is like an evangelism manual. And so we can look at this and just give ourselves some ideas to get ready. First of all, Jesus came alongside people where they were. He didn't expect them to come into church. It must be really daunting for people who've never been in church to get what we do here. So we have to be out with them. And that's our opportunity to talk to people out in the streets, when we go out for a drink, when we have a meal out, when we're with our friends, when we're in our clubs. That's where we need to come alongside people. My two granddaughters last week, after we'd had church in the morning, and they'd done that brilliant whizzing around the the church, saying, did you know Jesus is alive? They were waiting for their granddad to come home. And when he came home, they went whizzing out, granddad, granddad, did you know Jesus is alive? And to his credit, he said, yes, he is, isn't he? And it was just so lovely. And, you know, we have to have that passion, that excitement to say, did you know Jesus is alive? He's not just a story. He's real. It's exciting. And then Jesus listened. He didn't jump straight in full of himself. He listened and he asked questions and he enabled them to open up and he sussed out where they were. He found out what they knew already and then he went from, from that point. We have to take time to listen, to build up relationships, to answer questions. And then Jesus used the scriptures to explain, and he went right back to the beginning with Moses. How well do we know our scriptures that when someone asks us a question, we can say, well, look, this is what it says here. This is what Jesus said about this. And so we need to just check up and make sure that we know what we're talking about and what we truly believe. And then finally, Jesus showed them As he sat down with them and he gave them the blessing and he broke the bread, they saw Jesus. And on on the picture there, we saw his hands come out and they must have seen the marks of the nails on those hands. Their eyes were opened, the veil was lifted and they saw him. They got it. And as we come alongside people, we want them to see Jesus for themselves. We want them to get it, to understand just who Jesus is and what he's done for them. 2 Corinthians 3 says, All of us reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That means that someone, people, should see Jesus in us. And when I read that, I think, wow. And I think of some of the things, some of the ways that I behave, I think, do people see Jesus in me? Because that's what it says, that the more we, we get into Jesus, the more we reflect him. Paul also says that we're a letter of recommendation, a reference for Jesus. And in chapter 5, that we're ambassadors for Christ. Non-believers have to see Jesus in us by the way we speak, by the way we behave, by the way we are. So that's the challenge. Can we be ready? Ready to come alongside people who need to know the truth about Jesus? Ready to welcome them? Ready to disciple them? 
ready to show them Jesus. I don't know when Abergavenny Centre is going to be going out on mission, out on outreach, because the planning hasn't started yet. But at some time in the next two or three years, maybe even this year, it's going to be Abergavenny's turn to reach out to the people in our area. So let's be ready. And I just want to ask, how many of you here are Welsh people? Can you put your hand up if you're born and bred Welsh? Okay, quite a lot of you. I'm so glad. Because what I've found as I've been going around praying for revival and praying for Wales is that there are so few actual Welsh people, born and bred, who are doing that praying. When we go up on the little skirid, there's a South African, there's a Korean, there's a couple of English people, and very rarely is there anyone actually from Abergavenny or from, from Wales who've got that passion in their heart to be praying for Wales. And I think, you know, we have to have that passion in our heart to pray. God's brought into Wales a whole lot of people who've got a heart for Wales and who are praying all the time for this land and for Great Britain. But we have to have a heart for it as well. We who live here and we who born and bred here, which is not me, um, but Wales has become my home and I love it and God's put it on my heart to pray for Wales as he has for so many people. So all you Welsh people, especially, this is your challenge, really take it to heart and, and be praying. And let's just finish with, with praying now. Lift up your eyes and look to the fields, for they are already white with harvest. Lord, we are praying for the harvest here in our town of Abergavenny, in our families and neighbourhoods, in our valley of the Usk, in our nation of Wales. Lord, we want to see our land filled with your glory and to see the people that we've prayed for for so long declare you as their Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to be prepared, ready to come alongside, ready to listen, ready to share, ready to disciple. Thank you, Lord, that we can't do this in our own strength, but only through your enabling. So we look to you to equip us and to empower us to be ready for what you are going to do. In Jesus' name and for his glory we ask it. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.